Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacob with Future Tech Podcast. My guest is Matt Liston. Uh, currently the CSO, Chief Strategy Officer at Gnosis. And we're talking a little bit about Matt's background and his work at Gnosis and how Gnosis came to be. How you doing, Matt? Good. How are you doing, Richard? Great. Thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. So um, to start, I know that your background is varied. Would, would you go into a little bit of, of uh, how you entered the crypto space and how you got to where you are? And then we'll talk about Gnosis. Yeah, sure. So um, I studied a math school in Los Angeles. Um, I started a really weird small business while I was still in school. And, uh, you know, w- one day I-, I just realized I was kind of bored and I missed doing math. Um, and somehow that night I ended up on the uh, the Bitcoin wiki. It was, uh, I think, like wiki.bitcoin.it or something. Um, and I-, I landed on uh, the page back then for smart contracts and autonomous agents. Um, and, you know, that, that page, this was late 2012, was hmm. a paragraph and a reference to Nick Sabo at the bottom. And, you know, I, I saw particularly what was written about autonomous agents, and I kind of went on this wild, you know, multiple day long tangent where I was just imagining what could be done to revolutionize economies, um, you know, particularly software and information economies, these technologies, um, and started thinking about how to actually build you know, smart contracts and autonomous agents on top of Bitcoin, you know, mainly using multi-sigs and smart oracles. So my first contact in the space was actually to um, uh, Nick Sabo. Uh, I emailed him shortly after seeing that wiki page because he was the person who seemed to be thinking about it most. Right. And uh, later, later he actually pointed me to Vitalik and Ethereum and said, uh, you know, I should look into that. In the, in the meantime, I started coming up with some ideas that I started pitching to angel investors. One of them was a decentralized exchange, um, a, a cross-chain exchange that would use cyclic pathfinding. So basically, I would send Litecoin to you. You would send Dogecoin to someone else. They would send Bitcoin to the last link in the chain. Um, and it would all be done trustlessly and decentralized. So using those cycles optimized liquidity. I had trouble pitching that to angel investors in 2012, 2013, because I'd go to them and they'd say, is Bitcoin a fraud? Is it a Ponzi scheme? What happened with this Mt. Gox thing? Um, so mm, I realized right. I needed to come up with something that would, at that point, connect with investors a little more. And uh, what that turned out to be was um, contracts for difference um, using scripting and, and smart contracts. 
um, which then evolved into a full-fledged um, prediction market on top of the Ethereum blockchain, uh, now known as Augur. So that, that was my in- initial entrance into the space. And you know, since then, I've done quite a bit more. I worked for the Ethereum Foundation for a bit. I did some blockchain IoT consulting. And about a year and four months ago, I joined uh, Gnosis and you know, also Consensus because Gnosis was incubated by Consensus. And um, yeah, since, since then, I've really... I've had the you know the most amazing experience in the uh, blockchain space. Yeah, you've been around. You're like a grandfather in the space after only five years. Grand- grandfather, but it's it's been my entire career. So this is this is all I've known, and it's it's always been fast moving and exciting. And I, I think I'm really uh, spoiled by that. Oh, that's great. You have a wealth of experience that very few uh, people in the space have. So um, tell me about Gnosis. What is it? How does it work? And uh, what what are you doing with it? Yeah, so Gnosis is a modular decentralized prediction market platform built on Ethereum. Um, what that means is that it's a base set of smart contracts, um, both for uh, market creation and settlement and oracles, which can then plug into those markets. And it's primarily meant as a platform, um, meaning it's this base protocol and network um, that then we build developer tools on top of with the intention of people building a variety of prediction market applications on top of that. So the the sort of hypothesis behind that is that, you know, it's it sort of popular, popularized that prediction markets are this great tool to um, enable new types of financial instruments or, um, you know, decentralized betting exchanges. But we actually see very far beyond that and see, it, see them more as tools for gathering information tools for creating insurances, tools for gov- governance. So we're, we're more interested in allowing, you know, all sorts of applications to be built on top of Gnosis. So that, that's sort of Gnosis in a nutshell. The actual Gnosis decentralized application has been live on the Ethereum network since Frontier, you know, so people, you know, have actually been able to predict using Gnosis with, uh, you know, real Ethereum, um, although it's sort of, you know, been kept under the radar. But yeah, that's, that's Gnosis. Um, should we dive into anything in particular? Well, this may be the most irritating question I could have about it, but and maybe you get this. Compare it to Augur. How is it different? Oh, I'm not I'm not saying it's better or worse or anything like that, but just how is it compared to Augur? How is it different? Yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I get that a lot. And uh, so so let let me just say this. Um, like you said, I don't want to get into what I think is better or worse. I just want to say that I think there's a misconception that we're doing exactly the same thing. And that, that's really not true. I think we have very different technical approaches, business approaches, and target markets. Let me you know, go through a few main differences. One, on the technical side, is our Oracle approach. Augur, by default, has focused on a decentralized Oracle, which is this game theoretic mechanism written into the core uh, Augur code, which basically any token holder of the rep token uses that rep to vote on what the outcomes are. And through a consensus mechanism, well, one of the outcomes is decided and the group that was on the wrong side of the outcome loses some of their rep tokens. So there's a a disincentive for lying and an incentive where you gain rep tokens if you told the truth on that Oracle outcome. Um, Gnosis instead um, uses a modular Oracle marketplace, meaning um, anyone can plug in their Oracle um, in a fee-based market uh, to use for Gnosis prediction market settlement. Within that, Augur could be an oracle. Also, you know, Bloomberg or Reuters could be an oracle. 
Um, and we also have a last resort um, decentralized mechanism, which is, um, you know, that that's more similar to the Augur Oracle, but um, quite a bit simpler. And the main difference is it's only used as a last resort. So, so that's the main technical difference. I would also say, at, at least in our vision, Gnosis is a lot more platform focused, whereas Augur is more um, direct-to-consumer um, application focused. Um, that said, I think strategies are fluid, and Augur probably also sees the value in, in you know, people being able to build on top of Augur. Um, and then okay. probably the, the biggest difference is business approaches. So, you know, Augur raised money, and it's primarily used to build out sort of the core Augur platform, um, and then, you know, I guess maintain it for, for some period beyond that. Gnosis raised money, and we're building out the core Gnosis platform, um, but we're also funding, you know, decentralized teams who are building applications on top of that, and we, we, we intend to make a, a longer business out of the funding that we received. So, hmm. Okay, interesting. You said uh, Gnosis is already in play right now, uh, being yep. used for prediction markets, but you know, not a lot of people know about it. The good thing I would think is you're seeing it in action, seeing it either working or not working. What are you mm-hmm. seeing that it's being used for? Is that different from what you anticipated? And what are some surprising insights you're getting from it running? Well, you know, mainly the the group that has used it historically is a couple hundred, you know, Ethereum enthusiasts or Ethereum developers. So it's not really a great sample pool to see how effectively we can get information. You know, also the markets have, I mean, there, there's been a few general markets um, like on sports or politics, but a lot of them have been cryptocurrency focused because that's what our user group is. And then, you know, also we haven't had a whole lot of volume on it because it's um, it, it hasn't been hacked, but before we want to have a lot of volume on the markets, we would really like to have a, a, a second um, security audit. And also for, um, you know, high, high velocity uh, and throughput markets, it's um, necessarily it's necessary for scaling tech on Ethereum to get a bit further. Okay. Even though there's a small group that's using it, though, is there uh, any problems or insights or changes in direction you could see based on the, the feedback so far? Hmm. Not, not really that I can think of. I think it's been a pretty small group just to see if, you know, the actual um, code is working as intended and people are able to use the interface. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so far, the code's worked as intended. Um, but, you know, we're aware that it's not very accessible beyond that group of, you know, people who are fairly familiar with the technology. So, you know, if, if anything, it's taught us or, you know, something that was already obvious, which is, um, you know, a, a, a more... Um, I guess a simpler, more fluid interface um, can bring these markets to a larger audience and that scaling technology is pretty necessary for some of the more uh, uh, serious applications to be used widespread. What what do you see as some of the first or most robust use cases for Gnosis? um, Yeah, so I think think information gathering applications are going to be the first applications which we can which which can have some robustness. The the reason being, it, it's currently very infeasible to do order books on on chain on Ethereum, and uh, but it it is feasible to use our automated market maker. But the automated market maker is is basically a dumb market maker. It it can only lose money. 
so what it's it's good at is creating these markets with the intention of uh, gathering information from the market. So really prediction markets, which are just used as information tools. So we're creating an application that's focused on, um, you know, sort of predicting crypto markets using these uh, prediction markets, probably particularly focused on the ICO market. So things like, will this token outperform Ether in a three-month period? Will this project uh, reach, you know, whatever milestones it's set in time? Will a founder leave the project, et cetera? So, so basically due diligence on, um, you know, Ethereum ICOs. Um, and I'm, I'm really interested in seeing how that pans out because I think that's something that, I mean, there's, you know, this incredible amount of exuberance around um, token sales now, but there's, there's a whole lot of misinformation. And, you know, prediction markets are really good at sifting out the misinformation by providing an economic incentive and disincentive against that misinformation. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see us create that and see it partner with sort of this new generation of due diligence platforms and projects to bring more, more maturity, good information and transparency to token sales. That's really interesting. I didn't, I didn't think that, uh, yeah, a prediction market would encourage people and incentivize them to gather a lot of info. Do you think that so, this so, I mean, the idea smart... is, yeah, so, so the idea is, um, you know, you're, you're, when you make a prediction in a prediction market, you're putting down some money, which operates sort of like a bet, where if, the out, if you're right on the outcome, you win money. If you're wrong, you lose money. So you don't want to just put down money you don't want to feed it misinformation because then you're going to lose money from the market. Um, so that's, that's sort of like the core mechanism of a prediction market. You know, it'd be interesting. I would think the smart ICOs, and this is my interpretation, would couple their ICO with one or more prediction markets around it and use that as a marketing tool saying, hey, not only are we your ICO, but we're not afraid. And we're setting up these prediction markets about all of our activities to encourage as much information to be gathered on us and to be as transparent as possible. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's what we hope to see happen. Um, you know, what we can have things like Slack integrations where, you know, you know all these ICOs, um, you know, pre ICO, they set up Slacks to engage their community and talk about the project. You know, well, well, it'd be cool to have a bot within Slack where the, the project leads could create a market saying, you know, will we release this feature on time? And then people in their Slack get to predict in that market in a uh, you know in a very simple way, which you know like like you said it's 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 a good signaling tool for these projects to show that they're legitimate and want to be transparent. And I'm you know I, I think it's really critical that we mature what's going on with these ICOs quickly because I, I think it's a it's a great opportunity to transform you know how how venture capital um, flows, but it's. Uh, you know, it's gotten really exuberant really quickly, probably for good reason. But in order for it to go forward productively, you know, I, I think we need to see the, these things happen, um, you know, more, more professionally with more safeguards, better information, you know, probably more rationally. Yeah. In regards to um, a prediction market, let's say around an ICO or any, any prediction market, I know there's the wisdom of the crowd and the bets on either side or the predictions are based upon the knowledge of those people. But is there a feature where you can add documentation to a given prediction market so it has a um, a list of documents that uh, underlie, you know, all right, so is Gnosis token going to be uh, 20% higher in the next six months or not? That's my prediction, let's mm -hmm. say. But can mm -hmm. I also uh, upload documents or reference or link to documents within that prediction market 
So people that are looking at it for the first time or looking at it again could say, oh, well, this new information came in. I'm going to revise my prediction. Can you centralize oh, yeah. or put in a, a place this supporting stuff so that as the conversation evolves, it changes the prediction and makes it hopefully more accurate? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So, you know, in market cre- creation, um, there's a description field um, where you can place in that information initially. Um, but then I, I also see it as pretty important to have features like um, commenting. So, you know, I, I make a prediction. Um, well, I think, you know, whatever token price is going to be 20% higher. And I comment that, you know, this is because I've demoed their, you know, their next beta. Um, and I, I see that it's 90% ready and that, you know, it's, it's uh, really polished. So it's, it's good to, you know, it, it's good to get the predictions. But yeah, I mean, having some better information around that, I think, you know, better prediction. You know, also worth noting, um, whenever anyone brings up the wisdom of the crowd, um, I, I like giving an aside on that, which is the, I think that the common understanding of that is that, well, you know, all these people have some bit of information. And when you collect all that together, you know, it, it, it all adds up to really good information. And I, I think the assumption there is that there's a large group of people in the crowd who have some little bit of good information. And, you know, I think that's fairly inaccurate, although, you know, maybe overall it's it's accurate. But basically what happens is there's, you know, in, in this market, maybe 99% of the participants really don't know much about what they're doing in the market. But then there's a group of experts, say 1%, who, you know, all these people who didn't really know are adding liquidity to the market so that the experts can come in and sell their really good information to the market. Maybe it's from you know, machine learning algorithms, um, complex models, or, you know, some sort of, you know, in, information close to the source. Yeah, this is a little bit of an ancillary question. When we talked offline, you know, I told you about, my guess is there's 20 or 30 new articles every day, um, you know, in the crypto space. And you said, mm-hmm. oh, a lot of them you think possibly could be misinformation. Can you tell mm-hmm. me why you think that and maybe how people can spot accurate versus inaccurate? Maybe this is an impossible question. I don't know. But what's What's your insight into that? Why did you say that? Well, I mean, you know, I think in terms of misinformation, I mean, one, there's a lot of crypto news outlets that are basically pay to play. You know, like I'm, you know, someone's doing a token sale and they want to promote their token sales. So they go pay, you know, XYZ news outlets to not name any names um, to, uh, you know, get, get their positive article written in that news outlet. You know, then then there's also like a lot of gosh, it's kind of sickening. I see all these Facebook advertisements targeting me now for token sales that are just completely illegitimate. You know, that that scares me. Um, I think there's some good news in the space, but I think even the good news has, you know, sort of vested interests behind it that are maybe swaying toward Bitcoin or toward Bitcoin Core or uh, toward Ethereum or um, you know, just just have some interest. So maybe they have good journalists, but you know the the leadership of the news outlet has some um, ulterior motive. And then you know, I think there's also just the fact that this space is so fast moving and complex that most of the mainstream media, you know, not to their fault, just often gets it very wrong. And uh, you know, all all together, you know that that makes it really hard, especially for newcomers, to understand what's going on. Um, and I, I, you know, I think that actually makes it dangerous for all of these newcomers with so much exuberance to, 
you know, really start participating heavily in these markets because it's mainly hurting behavior. It's, you know, they hear someone say this is good and then they, you know, follow that. But that that really creates sort of a dangerous situation where there's not a lot of, you know, not a lot of good information going around. Do you think, what do you think the role of the prediction markets will be? Do you think they'll help clean it up or they'll provide yeah, a, a more balanced source of info or do you think they'll yeah, just I mean, add to the cacophony? What, what do you think will happen? No, I, I think prediction markets are the way to sort of boil these things down to one number. You know, you have a market, it provides um, a quantitative prediction of, you know, what the truth is about this outcome. And it's backed by money and, and economic incentive and disincentive. So it's not a situation where, you know, I can say this in my news outlet and there's no repercussions or I can be paid to say this and it's fine. It's a situation where I've put money thinking that this is the truth. And if I was wrong, then I'm going to lose that money. So it's really um, the ideal mechanism to, you know, get this information down to one number that is truthful. Yeah, I see now the, another role of the prediction markets is to help, again, because of the money behind it, which I like. It's like proof of work in Bitcoin. Um, it, it creates a more pure incentive for people to, and because it's decentralized, essentially, because you have many opinions, many bets, it's a great way to, uh, to validate information and, and uh, find if it's, if it's really true or not, what the market really yeah, definitely. thinks. And, and actually, the, the proof of work or you know, proof of stake analogy you know, that does have some accuracy to it. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's fascinating. I didn't realize that that was uh, a benefit of these these prediction markets. That's really cool. Hmm. So, what's the uh, roadmap for Gnosis? You know, next six mm-hmm. months, next year. What kind of uh, mm-hmm. interesting stuff's coming? Yeah. So, I mean, what our, do you our predict? biggest focus. I, I predict Gnosis is uh, is gonna <laughs> gonna be revolutionary, and I'm I'm really excited to see what Gnosis and uh, you know decentralized prediction markets in general can do for our economies and information sources. In terms of you know next six months to a year. Our, our main focus currently is on um, maturing our core platform um, and the tools around it so that uh, third parties can build applications on top of it. Along with that, we're doing two other things. One is working towards scaling technology. You know, I, I mentioned that it's important for some of these applications to have things like order book, and we also need um, high throughput, low fees, things like that. So, you know, one of the, you know, th- there's a couple things that are going to help with scalability for Ethereum. Um, you know, two are on-chain things, which is things like proof of stake and sharding. But then another one is off-chain, which is uh, state channels. So, you know, we're we're working very closely with the state channel teams to try to get us closer to having this uh, scalability technology, so that we can do applications outside of just information gathering. Um, and then we're also building a few of these early applications on top of Gnosis ourselves, and we're also starting a Sort of developer incentivization program, which is a combination of a, a, a series of online hackathons, a fund, and a, a incubator. You know that idea is quickly evolving, but I'm I'm really excited using that to sort of jumpstart the ecosystem around Gnosis. Any other use cases um, besides the information gathering you can go into just a little bit? Maybe just one more. Sure. Let me let me pick a good one. Okay. So I really like something called, well, it's, so it's basically govern, governance or decision-making via prediction market. So let, let me go on two extreme sides of it. On the governance side, it's, it's called Pewtarchy, which is sort of the governance-specific uh, use case of something called decision market. And the, the basic mechanism here is 
you have a decision you want to make. Maybe there's two things you can do. And uh, you create a market and it says, okay, I'm trying to optimize for this. If I make this decision, you know, how good will this outcome be? And if I make the other decision, how good will the outcome be? So you then have market participants, you know, feeding information to that market. Whichever decision the market says is going to have a better outcome for you, you automatically do. So let me, uh, you know, go through this um, in the governance specific case. Um, so kind of a really fun one is uh, fire the CEO markets. So, you know, I'm, I'm a, a, a publicly traded company. So there's, there's a share price, which is a very clear metric of, you know, how, how successful is this company now? And, and you know, how, success, how successful is the projection of it in the future? And the board wants to figure out if the CEO is, uh, you know, doing the best job possible for the company. So the board creates two markets. One market says, what is the evil corporation share price going to be in one year if we keep this CEO? And the other one says, what is the share price going to be if we fire the CEO? So maybe, you know, the, the markets end up saying, well, the share price is going to be 200 if you fire the CEO and 150 if you don't fire the CEO. So then they automatically fire the CEO and those markets stay open for another year. And if at the end of the year, the share price is indeed 200 or higher than 200, then the people who predicted in that market um, are going to win money. On, on the other side, the people who thought that if the CEO was kept, the share price would be higher, they just had their money returned right after that market, right after that decision was made. So, so that's sort of the, the governance use case of decision markets. You know, similarly, it can be used for actual like nation state or city policy decisions, like you know, what infrastructure should we fund? But then sort of my wild future crazy use case is thinking about decision markets for uh, machine economies where the participants in the market are competing algorithms. So sort of to give a, a physical concrete example, you know, it's uh, 10 years from now and now Teslas are fully autonomous. So they're picking, you know, how they want to route. And instead of the Tesla just asking, you know, ways or something, what is the fastest way for me to get to point, from point A to point B? It asks the prediction market. So it says, hey, prediction market, here's three routes, um, route, route one, route two, route three. How many minutes is it going to take to you know, complete each route? And now you have Waze, uh, Google Maps, maybe the Tesla algorithm, and maybe a bunch of you know, you know, more independent homebrew algorithms that are you know, basically using microtransactions to predict in these markets how fast each route is going to take. Whichever route shows a quicker speed, the Tesla automatically takes that. And dependent on how long it actually took, those algorithms win or lose money. So that, that's sort of my you know, far future moonshot use case for prediction markets that, that I'm, I'm really excited about. What about um, manipulation and influence through prediction markets? I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, sure no, that's going to be a huge deal. How, what, what have you thought of that regard? Yeah, no, so, so absolutely. It's, it's you know, something we think about a lot, something that we're going to run some um, what we call crypto economic experiments to test. And you know, what it basically boils down to is, yeah, I mean, so there's this outside decision meet being made based on the market. And there are going to be parties who have a vested interest in that decision going one way or another. So you know, they don't care if they throw money at the market to skew the outcome because they want the outcome to be in a certain way. However, because those prediction markets, you know, the, the winnings and losings is based on the eventual outcome. 
when they throw money into that market and skew the, the outcome prediction, what they're doing is essentially giving money away to smart participants to come in and correct that, correct that value. So in a way, it's actually good when people try to manipulate these markets because it just gives more money to the experts to then correct the outcome to what actually will happen. I guess we can, you know, continue with this thought, but what if, um, you know, a bad actor deliberately sets up prediction markets that are, um, the questions in them are, are designed to create a prediction market that hurts the, the company just by virtue of, fa- of the fact that there is a prediction market. You know, do you think the CEO of ABC company's sex scandal is going to negatively influence the company? And there is no sex scandal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think there's a whole host of, uh, you know, interesting questions around how these technologies can be used. I think similarly, that person could have written a blog post that says, you know, I, I think there's a sex scandal at that ABC. I think markets like, should we fire the CEO can obviously be very controversial. I also think markets that are centered around falsehood are simply going to be bad markets where not a lot of people predict in them. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think with any powerful technology, the ways this can be used are going to be, you know, very far flung, and I'm I'm interested to see how it evolves. Well, very good. Um, so, last question: uh, How can interested people find out more about Gnosis and about you? And if you want, contact you to talk about possible ventures or have questions, etc. Mm-hmm. So, you can find out more about Gnosis by going to gnosis.pm, or you could join our Slack at uh, slack.gnosispm. However, we have a more complicated Slack sign-up right now because there were some malicious actors who were spamming a lot of various cryptocurrency Slack communities with basically phishing posts. And then for, for direct contact with me, if you have ideas on you know, things you want to build on uh, Gnosis or otherwise, you can email me at matt at gnosis.pm. Well, very good, Matt. Thanks for coming, and I really appreciate your time. Yeah, likewise, Richard. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.